Good morning and welcome to a new episode of the Missouri Times hashtag MoLedge podcast. This is Rachel Herndon, Dunn, editor of the Missouri Times, and I'm here with Alicia Schur and Aaron, Aaron Basham. Thank you for being my guest at my roundtable this morning, guys. You're so welcome. We're going to have a very productive week. We're going to be so productive, no one will know what happened. And I can tell you already that we have been very functional as well. I would like to point out I was so productive yesterday. It was insane. <laughs> so right off the top, our top five most read stories of last week. We'll get to the buzz and we'll talk about what's on our plates this week, which I'm sure will interest you. So, most read story of last week. DOR blasted for lack of communication on withholding error. So, you were at this hearing, Alicia. Yes. It was a two-hour-long hearing. They used up every second that they had the, the hearing room uh, booked for. And it was very interesting to watch. I have a, I have a question. Yes. If budget goes over their reservation in the budget hearing room... <laughs> Don't they just get to keep it? Well, there was another uh, subcommittee scheduled to, and Smith said he didn't want to get them behind, because so they talked about bringing D.O.R. back. So from your story and from your text, I I got the gist that several representatives not happy with D.O.R., and it wasn't just about the withholding error, it was about... The lack of communication. Yes. So there was pomp and circumstance over the new license plates. Yes. But there's an error that's existed for almost two decades in the withholding tables. Yes. And, and that, that series, like, and I remember getting the release. It was 200 words. Like, from my, what I remember of the release, it was just a little asterisk. Mm-hmm. It was an asterisk. Oh, by the way. Oops. The withholding tables have been updated. We messed up. And I look at it as... So they noticed the error, and they updated the withholding tables. But they didn't stress the importance of it to the point that state employees' withholdings weren't even changed. If there's one industry I think the the withholdings would have been changed for, would be for state employees, if nothing else. It's a it's a good starting point and a good place to have an example as to how to fix it. Now, I, do, I have a follow-up question about this story. Are they confident that with all the changes with taxes at the federal level and the state level that things are right now? You know, no one asked that question. Oh, okay. They were concerned if we were still going to meet revenue estimates, um, the impact this would actually have on the citizen, and questions like that, um, how they came up, how they found the air, like what was happening. But no one thought to ask, are they confident where we're at now? They did issue new withholding tables in January, which were updated, I believe, to include House Speaker Har's tax cut from last year and the one from the Senate side. So. Well, okay. I'm going to withhold the rest of my comments about this then. (laughs) Second most read story of last week, Missouri wins $6.5 million early childhood education grant. This was a press release. A lot of people very excited in the 
child industry. I, I don't know how to word that tactfully. Um, the early childhood industry. Very excited. I mean, six point five million isn't a lot of money in in re- relation to state government, but that's nice. Every little bit helps, right? Yeah, and the grant's going to be used to fund the Stronger Together Missouri project, which I believe it's aimed at implementing like birth to kindergarten entry assessment needs assessments okay um could be wrong on that and then i know it's supposed to go towards the early childhood strategic plan that works on enhancing long-term early childhood childhood care services that sounds awesome I am um, one of my first interviews when I was uh, writing in college. There's a certain city council woman who, at the time, I believe was a House member, and she told me that the more the state or any government invests in early childhood, that there is a direct link to the amount of people who are incarcerated. And so, the more you invest in early childhood, the less you have to invest in corrections, which is ex- much more expensive than education. Yes. And that's always resonated with me. So, this seems great. It makes a lot of sense. Yes. So, third most read story of last week. House leaders standing firm on new rule regarding open records. Now, have either of you talked to any, like, normal people who don't work in our realm lately? Um. Because something I'm curious about is what, like, a normal person thinks about this. Or if they're even thinking about this. I would say they're not thinking they're about not it. They're not thinking about it. I don't think a normal person is thinking about this. So this is an inoculated issue. But So the House made a rule last week, week before that. It was the week before that. It was the week before that. But they're still talking about it. There's a lot of members very concerned about constituents emailing yes. in their privacy. Um, um, Nick Schroer likes to point to the Post-Dispatch publishing... The names and opinions of constituents for our senator auditor. Interesting. I didn't As think a it, reason I, to support not having constituent emails, like, open-ended subject to the law. Because the rule change simply allows the representative, the, sen- the representative to decide if the constituent emails should or should not. That seems released. It does. And they, and the main part they is they want to protect their constituents. Um, Rob Vescovo uh, released a statement saying he's had law enforcement officers email him with like their personal details. Yes. They, and he, there was a plot twist to that because whenever yes. Vescovo was on the Jeffco, was it Port Authority? I don't know. He tweeted about this. But formerly, there was a Sunshine Request regarding, which included him in some way, shape, or form in his service back at his county, where they had Sunshine and the custodian released Vescovo's social security number, like home address, weight, race, (laughs) I don't know, everything. I was just like... To me, I feel like social security numbers would automatically, under the Sunshine Law, be redacted. Yeah, I mean, it, it should be. That's just common sense. I mean, just here we've done Sunshine Requests where you get a lot more than you wanted, 
And you can assume that the custodians who handed it over did not look at every single one of those pages. Yes. That was a former administration, so maybe things have changed. Haven't done a sunshine request. It's been a while. I mean, I generally tell reporters, as long as you do your job right, you shouldn't have to file something that starts with, this is a request pursuant to Missouri revised statutes, what is it, 561? It's been a while. It's been. Aaron's tuned out now. (laughs) (laughs) But Aaron's like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. No, I know what you're talking about. So, that's a... uh, It'll be an ongoing That's an issue, discussion. kind of in a vacuum, but yeah, it's a definitely continuing to be a discussion. Um, maybe we'll have a guest on Thursday to talk about it. Maybe. I don't know. If you think that's a good idea, um, text me. Preferably not tomorrow because there's some things going on. Text me on Wednesday if you think that's a good idea. Number four, GOP senators form conservative caucus. So six senators. Yeah. We got Hoskins, O'Laughlin, Onder, Koenig. Mm-hmm. And Burleson. And Burleson, of course. Of course. That's a pretty solid block of senators. Yeah. And they said what their priorities are, right? Yeah. Basically, it's just to promote what they look at as conservative issues that haven't got enough attention in the last couple years. They were very, very specific that they still believe in the Republican leadership, Republican caucus leadership, that they still support them, and they just want to be supplemental to that. And Igel. Yeah. Yes. So seven senators? Six. Six. Did I list too many? You listed Igel twice. Okay, very good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was a long weekend, guys. And that they see themselves as a great resource to the Republican Party. You know, related to that, there will also be, I I read that Representative Lakeisha Bosley is forming the House Democratic Black Caucus. Okay. So it looks like there's blockades popping up. And I've also heard that some of the freshmen in the House are starting to unite in a more formal manner. So it makes sense whenever you've got the fourth largest legislature, state legislature in the nation, that there would be... Groups coming together, uniting yes. to push their priorities, which is interesting considering the supermajorities. Anyway, number five, most read article of last week, House Democrats file plethora of education bills. And I heard, Alicia, that they have another press conference today. <laughs> and so that was their K through 12 education bills. And now they want to talk higher, higher education. Yes. I, I appreciate some good organization. Um, The one bill that really stood out with me was filed by freshman Ian Mackey and he wants to end the process of food shaming in schools. You know, that is that is real. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Would you like to explain what food shaming is or do you want me to? I think you should because I don't have much experience with it. So it's whenever students' parents don't pay for their school lunches and the kids get the shaft on it. They either are told to work it off or they lose privileges of some sort because their lunchtime meal bill isn't paid. And that that sucks. It's not the kid's fault. Well, what 
kid do you know that don't like at 10 years old has a job and is making their own money and exactly and i think that's the point of it and it seems like that is a strong bill on there he also i believe it was representative Mackey who also filed the bill that said you have to kids have to start school by five years old like right now it's seven yeah, I do believe he is also the one. That and I'm a little rough on the details, but there are a lot of people who are very unhappy with that bill. Really? Really. Really, really. Um, I know the. it was during the press conference, during the food shaming bill, one of the reporters brought up that in Columbia School District, they're considering sending bills, I think it was either 25 or $50, to collection agencies. Yeah. That, that's so, like, stu- kids need lunch to learn. Kids need food and to survive. And it's interesting because there's so many schools that if you are over a certain percentage of free and reduced lunch, the entire school becomes free and reduced lunch. Yes. So, like, there are several elementary schools in Jefferson City School District that are like that. And those kids don't have to worry. They have breakfast in the morning. They have lunch in the midday and it's taken care of. And I think it's a federal partnership. And I'm not good at explaining the federal stuff. But that seems to be a model that works. Those kids don't have to worry about where their lunch comes from. Even if they might be a little worried about where their dinner does. Yes. And while they're at school, that's one less thing in the back of their mind. Yeah. And if you're fueled, you can learn better. You can focus if yeah. you're not focusing on hunger. Yeah. Which is so much more distracting whenever you're such a tiny little person. Who's yes. already easily distracted. <laughs> I'm not saying I have any experience with easily distracted <laughs> tiny people. But you you included the sixth most read story of last I week, did. Alicia. Okay, so Alicia's getting excited. MEC questioning authority on two clean Missouri changes relating to lawmakers. And I sent you an email earlier. I think there might be a follow-up to this. But, so the MEC asked the Attorney General's office, like, hey. For an opinion. Do, do we do this? Is this, yes. is this our thing? Yes. Um, they want to know if they have the authority to receive complaints um, and issue judgments or advisory um, opinions related to the, like, the crossover between lobbyists um, becoming lobbyists after you leave the General Assembly for staff and lawmakers, and lobbyist gifts. So it's kind of, do do they have the authority? Is it? I presume that as soon as the AGO gets back to the MEC, you'll be on the case. Yes. Alicia, sure. It's very interesting. It is very interesting. Um, So let's talk about the buzz. There was... um, I'm unsure if my phone was blowing up more than normal this weekend or I just had things going on this weekend and my phone was irritating me a little bit. But <laughs> something people were talking about a lot this weekend was a new AP article that came out and the tweet was, after record wins, women make small gains among top lawmakers. This article was completely shut down. Um, and it's... I mean, and I got a ton of response from it, but one of the most liked responses on social media, on Twitter specifically, was from Speaker Har, 
who retweeted the article and said, not true and hashtag Mo Ledge um, at uh, Representative Sonia Anderson and at Representative Chris Dinkins elected to leadership in the Missouri House GOP. Representative Ruth is the first transportation chair in state history. Representative Kathy Swan, Representative Jean Evans, and Representative Holly Rader are also leading very influential House committees. And, of course, Dana Raderman is, has been chosen as Chief Clerk of the House. On top of that, Dana Raderman replied back, and half of our eight nonpartisan staff divisions are held by women. Thank you to past Clerk Adam Kremlis for promoting strong leaders as well. So I got this response from people that was like, we should be talking about not that there are less women in the Missouri legislature per capita or however you want to break that down, but that the women we have are quality and they're leading the legislature. Yes. So I noticed that the AP wrote two stories. Two stories. One was that, yes, there's more women overall nationwide, but it's like very minute number. Mm-hmm. And the other one was specific to Missouri. Mm -hmm. That they were, I think, like 3% less of the legislature is made up of women. I always wonder if that's newsworthy. And I mean, that's something I'm always wondering about. But I also thought it was interesting. The other one was titled, Missouri Trails the Nation and Number of Female Lawmakers. And Representative Evans uh, shared it on Facebook and said, We may be fewer in numbers, but we hold many key positions. And then uh, representative, former Representative Kathy Conway commented on that. We have, since John Deal, appointed many women to important chairs. Yes. And I would say just since I've been around in let's, a minute, I've been around for a minute, <laughs> um, there have been more women just moving up in the ranks. They've been more vocal. They've been more influential. So that's what people are talking about. Maybe we'll write something about it. I mean, in the House, we have Crystal Quaid leading the Democratic Party. Absolutely. And then, who was it? I had a a text that listed people. Um, This isn't about quantity, but quality. Beyond elected people, look at Kayla Hahn in the governor's office, Adrian Krause in the Senate, Dana Miller in the House, female chiefs of staff all over. Both political parties are chairs. and and that, women. So that's um, Kay Hofflander now at the yes. Missouri Republican Party and Jean Peters Baker at the Missouri Democratic Party. And then Trish Vincent, she's a chief of staff to Secretary Ashcroft. In many decision-making positions, you'll find amazing women, whether committee chairs, chamber, party leadership, etc. And I, I've never seen an... It's been a while since I've seen an article shut down so quickly. And it definitely wasn't a concerted effort because it was all over the place. But they were all at the, if you break it down, boil it down, saying the same thing. Yeah. So that was interesting. I think sometimes you have to look beyond beyond the statistics. Yes. Because statistically, only a quarter of lawmakers making up women doesn't jive with the population. Right. But look at at what women we do have. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. If you have any thoughts on that, let Alicia right now. Um, or let Aaron know. Maybe we could do a video <laughs> thing. Aaron's been itching to be creative. Obviously, this is a great week to do that. It's not. <laughs> um, maybe it's, maybe we'll... 
If you have something to say about this, let us know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> something Alicia wants to talk about. Hemp yes. rule proposals. This is buzzing, according to Alicia. Okay, this is exciting for Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> so ad, ag, agricultural projects, nearly $40,000 cost to department annually. They're uh-huh. assuming 200 growers and 40 handlers of hemp. Yes. So they finally released their proposed regulations uh, for hemp growers in Missouri after the legislature opened it up last year, uh, which the new farm bill further expands. However, this is still (laughs) um, kind of really interesting because, so, they, one of the regulations is that hemp cannot be grown, processed, handled, planted within 2,000 feet of any school, preschool, or daycare. I'm going to be honest, that sounds completely reasonable. Because once you get into the areas where you can grow hemp, there aren't very many schools, preschools, daycares, churches. Yes. But I'm tying this to its closely related cousin, medical marijuana. Yeah, because those can't be planted next to each other, right? But no. medical marijuana has to be grown in an indoor facility. To maintain so quality. That, right. But theoretically. So wouldn't that, up. it's a cross-pollination problem, right? Yes. So if it if mar- medical marijuana is grown in an indoor cultivation facility, there is no risk of um, cross pollination, right? Alicia, I have a question. It's an aside. <laughs> so um, these cultivation facilities for medical marijuana that are indoors are <laughs> are there just going to be bees in there? Like, how are they going to pollen? Do they just like bees? <laughs> I need, to, I need to know about the pollination of indoor plants now, right now. Um, well, I'm not up on how the cannabis plant pollinates. Can you just get a big um, drum fan and, like, it just... Do you... Have you been inside a greenhouse? Um, Not for long. They're just not comfortable. Because most greenhouses do have fans. Yeah. Is that for pollination? Start- keep the air circulating yes um i'm more on the livestock <laughs> see, Aaron, i don't know Aaron, you know anything about greenhouses i don't know jar bees in there and run away see that's know. what i think yeah <laughs> i don't know if but i can't stop thinking about nicholas cage right now have you seen that movie uh the i don't even remember what it was called i don't know if cannabis pollinates with bees it could be self-pollinating. I think it depends on the strain. Because, but if there's a risk of them crossing over... Well, because... And that's because of the wind. It's because... Um, it's not what the wind is blowing. Marijuana plants are traditionally female, I believe. And hemp are is traditionally male plants. Or I could have that backwards. Um, all I know is that... Based on some TV shows I have watched, <laughs> um, female marijuana plants produce better products. Yes. So then marijuana plants are female. I can't wait for the text I'm going to receive about this. Um, <laughs> but really, I need to know about the bees inside a cultivation facility. So, um, but anyway, so they, they, they legalize not, hemp. They do not require bees. 
And now they're promulgating rules. Rules. And they set out proposed fees. So, um, it's, I see some $500 fees, some uh, non-refundable $250 application fee, um, so, uh, some $100 fees. To register for a grower, it's a $500 fee, so it's $45 per acre. Um, though, interesting note, to process for a CBD oil, it is a $3,000 fee to get the license to do that. Um, but all in all, the fees to grow industrial hemp are a lot less than the fees to grow medical marijuana. I know you're a livestock person and not a plant person, but so we're in the 30-day comment period of these proposed rules, yes. right? So if this all goes according to schedule, will hemp be able to be planted this spring? Yes. That's cool. That's because cool. it's a crop that you plant, I believe, in Missouri, it would be like end of April, be- beginning of May. Um, I remember when I talked to a farmer last year, he said the timing for industrial hemp works great in crop rotations if you grow like corn or soybeans. Because the timing won't overlap to an extent. You have to choose between the crops. Huh. Anyway, so that's pretty exciting. And hemp is the one where the bill says you have to have at least 50 acres, right? Yes. Anyway, so that's exciting, though. Because isn't, like, the declaration or the... The... I believe it's the Declaration of Independence that is... Speaking print, of Nick Cage. Printed on hemp paper. That's so cool. But it has uh, so many different uses... According to the internet and things I stumble upon. <laughs> it, there's a million different uses for it. It's like the new peanut. Did you know George Washington Carver's from Missouri? Yes. No. <laughs> All from, right. From so what's... what I can tell, just just real quick look, I don't think you need bees yeah. to pollinate cannabis. Do you need butterflies? Do you need birds? I, I think it's... I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> so I think it's kind of similar to how corn pollinates, actually. Well, I don't know how that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know this either. Because um, all I know is, is... Like when it begins to flower and the flowers open, that they release pollen. And with a little wind, they're like self-pollinating. Oh. Okay. Um, as Ron White said, it's not what the wind is blowing. <laughs> uh, or it's not that the wind is blowing. It's what the wind is blowing. Anyway, so let's talk about what's on our plate. The biggest Missouri political party of the year... The Statesman of the Year is Tuesday evening. That's tomorrow, unless you're listening to it Tuesday, and then it's tonight, and you should start listening to this podcast on Monday morning, so we make more sense. But Statesman of the Year, um, we will be honoring the governor, Mike Parson, as the Statesman of the Year. We will also be giving former State Senator Ron Richard a Legacy Award. We will be recognizing the best of the legislature. We will have awesome food. We will have great beverages. It will be packed again this year. It will be so much fun. I can't wait to see all of you. If you have any questions about the Statesman of the Year, go ahead and let me know. That's that's a good start. Um, Also tomorrow, Tuesday, January 29th, will be Sneaker Day at the Capitol. Yes. So since it will likely be a long day for many of us, including me, you can wear your tennis shoes all day. 
wear them to the Statesman of the Year party, but wear your sneakers to raise awareness for the ALS Association, uh, Greater St. Louis chapter. You can wear them on the floor. The majority floor leaders of both chambers have been very kind to raise awareness to this cause. Um, If you don't know what ALS is, it's also um, called Lou Gehrig's disease. Stephen Hawking had it. Um, There is a former lineman for the Tennessee Titans who just did a a video who also has it. Lou Gehrig had it. Um, They are doing a lot of research. They're making a lot of progress, but there is still no cure. Um, And it's really, really rough. So anyway. And it's 100% fatal. Yes. It's because eventually your lungs just stop working. Very sad. Um, it's also kind of interesting. I just watched the movie Theory of Everything. Have you seen it yet, Aaron? It's about Stephen Hawking's. I, I watched it a couple years back, yeah. It's awesome. and it's, it, There's obviously been several movies about the life of Stephen Hawking, but I was very intrigued in watching his... What's the right word? Disease progression. And how that impacted the relationships in his life and his research. And it was very powerful. Anyway, so wear your tennis shoes tomorrow. Um, if you're wearing your tennis shoes, let us know. Maybe we'll come take pictures of your tennis shoes. So wear your best kicks. Are you going to wear tennis shoes tomorrow, Alicia? Yes. Very I'm good. totally taking advantage. <laughs> <laughs> you going to wear tennis shoes? Mm-hmm. Are you wearing tennis shoes? Aaron's mm-hmm. wearing tennis shoes right now. Aaron's cheating. Sneaker day every day for Aaron. I'm joking. Kind of. Um, also this week, lots of committee hearings. Yes. So. For those who get the whispering gallery, that list is getting longer and longer. Yes. And I probably look like a crazy person. So this week, DOR is supposed to be back. This time it's in front of Senate Appropriations. Um, the very first workforce development committee hearing is actually today. Okay. Um, there's a plethora of budget hearings throughout the week. Alicia's word of the week is plethora. Also usurping. Was that your other word? Yes. (laughs) But the usurping came from actually a a judgment. Right, right. It's not not my word. It's John (laughs) Beatham's word. It's an underused word. (laughs) So we have a plethora of budget hearings. That process is underway. I am going to guess that DORs is going to continue to not have a good week as they face Senate appropriations. They've got Senator Dan Hageman and Lincoln Huff to face. Yes. Um, I presume they're not happy. We should probably ask them. But that'll be interesting. Yes. Let's see what's on the calendar. The Capitol calendar. The House is apparently a really fan of six o'clock hearings this year. Of what? Six o'clock hearings this year. Well, yeah. And I will say, this is a, so. This is Alicia's second session. Your first session was a little atypical. That's what everyone tells me. Um, this is more normal. But anyway, so if you want to go to the slash calendar you will find the Capitol calendar brought to you by the Missouri Soybean Association. Today is the Missouri Soybean Association's annual meeting and legislative reception at the Mill Bottom. It is, and then tomorrow is the Missouri Society of Anesthesiologists Legislative Day. MCTA's Beyond Cable, that will be in the rotunda tomorrow. The ALS Association Sneaker Day, the Missouri Land Title Association Lobby Day, and the Statesman of the Year Party. The doors will open at six. 
The program will begin at 7. Feel free to come anytime between 6 and 7. If you come after 7, it might be kind of awkward walking in the middle of the program, but you do you. On Wednesday, the sheltered workshops will be having a legislative breakfast in HR2. And there will also be a common sense economics education for legislators and voters on the third floor of the house uh, Wednesday morning. And then Thursday, Chris Kelly, former budget chair, former long-term state rep who is running for mayor of Columbia will have a fundraiser. And if you want to look beyond this week, you of course can go to the missouritimes.com slash calendar. But I will say, the Statesman of the Year party will be taking up most of my time the next two days. Yes. Um, but plenty of content, very excited. And of course, if you missed it, just Sunday, yesterday, uh, you should watch This Week in Missouri Politics, another great episode. And Aaron will be doing the clips and the social media so you can see a lot of the highlights of that show. Um, yeah, that's all I got. You guys got anything you want to know? good all right everything if you have insight on who you want to hear from as our special guest on the thursday podcast feel free to send me a text a tweet an email a smoke signal might be kind of confusing with the crazy weather we're gonna have this week it's going to be so stinking cold yeah alicia have you seen the weather we're talking negative 17 degrees cold i know and i was planning on going to the kansas city zoo this weekend and i'm disappointed oh well, I don't know when it I stops. I think by the weekend yeah. it's going to be like actually in the 50s. Yeah, it'll just oh. be normal cold. Oh. Because below like... 60 it's cold to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing everyone Tuesday evening. And we'll be back with another Hashtag Millage podcast from the Missouri Times on Thursday. Take it slow on the Guadalupe. Take it slow.